and welcome back to the newest edition of the Profit Roadmap. I am Bear Duplissy alongside Cody Owen. Yes, sir, we have got a fantastic show episode for you today. It's uh, wonderful and our privilege and our wonderful honor to welcome in Jonathan Potoshnik into the house, co-founder and CEO of Service Autopilot, co-founder of Service Autopilot Academy, host of The Long Care Millionaire on YouTube, and founding partner of City Turf. My goodness, it's a mouthful just to say. He started lawing, uh, mowing lawns at the age of 15 uh, because he didn't want to make $4 an hour at uh, Sonic and DQ. A lot of you guys can relate to that out there. Uh, burned out by college, but came back into the business by 2004. Since that time, he has founded and been part of multiple companies, several in the service industry and several in the software industry as well. The business he is a part, the businesses he is a part of now have been part uh, of and in the past experience of annual earnings ranging from five million to the low eight figures per year. Today, he over, owns and oversees two major companies. One is the lawn maintenance company, City Turf, that I mentioned before, which services over 7,000 full-service residential and commercial clients. The second, Service Autopilot, is a leading business management and scheduling software solution that serves almost 3,000 member companies. You may have heard of it. We've been talking about it a little bit over these last just, few episodes. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a tad. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's like I said, it's our tremendous privilege to welcome you in as part of this uh, wonderful podcast that we've had the, the privilege of starting and sharing with uh, our members and non-members alike, the small business owners out there. Um, and something I wanted to hit on right off the bat before we get kind of into the meat of the interview, you know, something we spoke about just earlier, it's important to know the distinction that you were the host of The Lawn Care Millionaire on YouTube, not The Lawn Care Millionaire, because you wanted to make it clear that everyone out there could be The Lawn Care Millionaire. Absolutely. Yeah. The idea was when I was trying to come up with a name is I wanted a visual. I think we all think about a million bucks or the dream of a million bucks or building a million dollar business. And so I like the visual of lawn care millionaire. And so the idea was sharing ideas and strategies and ways of thinking that would get you to that place in life where you become a lawn care millionaire. So that was the idea behind it. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to know that you've had a, a considerable journey yourself. We've already had a couple of our certified uh, certified advisors come in and talk about their membership, uh, their their journeys as entrepreneurs as well. And you know, you've had you know your your bumps and and, and issues along the way. Can we talk about? Um, let's talk a little bit about in general um, some of you know some of your earlier on stuff as far as uh, becoming an entrepreneur. Not quite back as far as as your journeys in high school, but. Uh, but uh, what was it like uh, when you were starting some of your some of your companies as far as, you know, becoming that successful, successful small company and then making that leap to a bigger successful company? What was the what was probably one of the biggest bumps in the road that you overcame and how did you do it? So regarding making the leap from a small company to a big company, I don't really think there was ever this moment where I'm like, I'm about to make the leap or we just made the leap. It's more of a. One day you look back and you're like, hey, you know, we sort of survived some stuff and here we are. We've somewhat arrived, but you never feel like you've arrived. Um, so in my, from my perspective, you're always dealing with the next problem. Like even now where my, the stuff I'm involved in would all be considered bigger as compared to the majority of companies. It still feels like there's a bump all the time in the road and there's another bump coming and there's another challenge. And I think that's part of it. However, I will say as a point of encouragement for 
those that are still in the early days of their thing and it's smaller, that it does get better uh, and that it gets a whole lot easier. So, you know, there's so many different examples of bumps. I don't know where to start. One that comes to mind that I would, would describe as a bump that had maybe the biggest impact on my life or one of the biggest impacts. And I could just rattle off a ton of these kinds of things. But I feel like the thing that was a big turning point was I had been a partner in a successful cleaning company and we had built that company um, solely through selling. So you'd meet a prospect and you'd develop a relationship and you'd entertain them. And that might mean taking them to dinner and out to a ball game and different things of that sort. And that was our entire business. We'd become your friend and you'd do business with us. We'd take care of you. But it was all pers- in person. It was all relationship. There was no marketing involved whatsoever. And so then when I accidentally ended up back in the lawn care business with what is now City Turf, um, I quickly realized I didn't have the faintest idea how to grow a business like that because I couldn't go out and sell every client. And so I had essentially copied what everybody else was doing. I looked at all the other lawn care companies and I looked at their door hangers and their direct mail. And I looked at their website and I copied it for the most part and nothing worked. And that I would describe as one of the hardest points because I realized this is going to be really hard. It's going to be really expensive. And it was exactly that. It was both hard and expensive to figure it out. And so the turning point was it forced me to start learning about this thing called marketing. I thought I kind of knew what marketing was, but once I started studying it, I realized I didn't have the faintest idea what marketing really is. And that was a huge transitional point for me. I don't think, uh, well, I know with 100% certainty, City Turf wouldn't be what it is today. Service All Pilot probably wouldn't even exist had I not gone through that really difficult time period. What was uh, what was like one? I know there's there were several probably key components to those marketing uh, strategies that you developed early on with City Turf. But what was like uh, what if you could pick a favorite or what was what was one that was just relatively easy, relatively simple to initiate, regardless of your lack of knowledge of either the industry or marketing itself in general. I think two come to mind. Can I, you, can I, yeah, please. What would if this podcast went through the Wayback Machine and ended up in the hands of Jonathan 15 years ago, what would you have wanted him to hear? Yeah, Ooh, okay. there's a good, that's yeah, a great there one. We go. The like same it. two things I was about to say. So Fantastic. that's perfect, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's so many, but two came to mind. So one was when you think about marketing and you think about talking to a group of people. So let's let's create a visual. So you want to be a residential company, hypothetically, all right? So you're picturing your market in our, you know, we could, there's a city here uh, around us called Plano, and I know that means nothing to everybody listening, but it's a a bigger city, tons of homes, um, some portion of the market's financially successful, meaning they can afford lawn care and the services we sell. So just kind of imagine a bunch of married couples with some kids and, you know, normal life, but you know, a little bit on up $80,000 a year annual income plus for a family, that kind of a scenario. So you imagine that. So now when you sit down and you say, hey, I want to get all those people that live in Plano, what do you do? You imagine a group, you imagine a bunch of people and yeah, maybe you imagine they have kids and they're married and they got two cars and they do all this stuff, but you're imagining a group of people and you're not imagining Miss Smith. You're not imagining like, so one of the biggest transitional things for me was to picture a friend. So picture a buddy of mine and uh, or pictures a client that I really liked that I just really felt uh, that I could talk to them and chat with them if I was standing on their property. And whenever I'd write a marketing piece, I'd write it to them. So as an example, if I if I had a great client, his name was Jeff, I would literally sit down and write my marketing piece and start it with, hey, Jeff. And then I'd write 
everything I want to tell him about why he should be doing business with us and how we can fix his problems and how we can solve his problems. Because what happens then is it comes across very personal. Whereas if you're just picturing the whole city of Plano and I want all these residential clients, you write this very generic, broad language and it doesn't sound personal to anybody. And, and so the more specific you can get, yes, on one hand, you might alienate a whole group of people because it's so personal. It's not to them. Like we know most of our buyers were women and most of our buyers have kids. Well, I don't need to write anything that's catering to the single guy. Yeah, a few of those guys I'm going to hit with a door hanger or a postcard. They'll be single guys living in a house and my marketing won't resonate. But who cares? They're the small part of the majority the market. So the more personal I could get, the more I'd really resonate with the people I want. And yes, again, I alienate some number of them, but I connect at a way deeper level with the group that I want. So I think about personal. And, and that's just one example. But then if you carry that forward and you learn that lesson, then it affects your customer service. It affects how you write a letter to your customers when you screw up. It affects how you train your team and how your team should deal with the client. It affects how we picture people and talk about people in the office. It, so that little lesson for me carried through to all aspects of the company. And I felt like it changed me in terms of how I wanted to build the company and how I wanted to talk to the client, how I wanted to talk to a prospect. So that was one. <laughs> I think uh, before you touch on the second yeah. one, I think that's incredibly uh, valuable because per personalization is something that um, – you know, is is one of the be the best parts of Service Autopilot for one, but two, to to hit on that note as far as a deeper level, personalization is something that that is that is by far something that's overlooked in every aspect of business. I mean, everything from what I do to sales to you know to marketing and things like that. I mean, how many times have you gotten in the mail a piece of you know a piece of marketing that says "Dear Valued Customer"? They don't, you know. It, I guffaw and delete things with malice in my email <laughs> when when it says dear valued customer you know i know that it's very easy to plug in my first name and i know yeah. that they have it i don't understand why you would choose to do it why else yeah there. why you're just valued customer and not cody and yeah. and i think that's important especially when you have such a personal faith even though a large portion of the in terms of like the lawn care business but even with the cleaning business it is more personal because you do get that FaceTime but you're still a person on their property so there is that there is that occasional encounter of face to face and when you can look at that person and say hey Cody how are you doing today or you know really appreciate your business Cody or something like that it it means so much on a deeper level so if you can connect like you were just saying on that deeper level it's just a name but it's so much more than that, and it it's so much much it's so much more of a deeper connection, and it'll end up affecting you positively in the business sector more than you can possibly count. I totally agree with that. So, what was the second point? Uh, the second point was that if you think you have to think back a little bit now, you'll still see, see this to some degree. But there was this, and I didn't know there was such a debate. There was this debate of long copy versus short copy. And so what that means is if you look at what all the, if I looked at what all my competitors were doing, they'd have a postcard and the postcard say satisfaction guaranteed. We mow lawns for 25 bucks, blah, blah, blah. Just like it'd check off some, it'd be a bullet point list and it would check off a few buckets, like as in we can do these things for you. And so you'd call that short copy, maybe what's on a postcard. And then there used to be all these examples of what would be called long form copy or long form. And that would be, you got a letter in the mail and the letter was two pages, 10 pages, 20 pages. They were like really long. And so I didn't know there was such a thing as long copy versus short copy. I mean, I just never, I'd seen it, but I never thought about it. 
And then I started getting this world of direct response marketing. And these guys would be talking about how long form copy really works and you need to be writing longer stuff. If you say that to anybody that doesn't live in the marketing world or lives more in a branding world than what's called direct response marketing, they would have said, that's the dumbest thing ever. I'd never read five pages or 10 pages. And that was a big learning for me in that it told me or informed me and through experience of seeing the benefit of writing something that's longer. And that could have been a, and a to take a step back, that could be a postcard that's a large size postcard or, or door hanger that's just heavy copy front and back. I'd almost describe it as too much copy, ugly copy versus a bunch of pictures and a few bullet points. And what we found, and I've given this postcard door hanger out to many over the years and said, hey, we'll use this, it works. And what we found was it worked. And then two, I've given it out. And the people I give it to, they always try to change it. It's like, oh, yeah, this wouldn't work. It's too much copy. But it worked. And here's here's the lesson in this. And So if does that make sense what I'm describing long yeah. form versus short? Okay, so here's the lesson. The, the lesson is that if you want to buy something from me, and like, so you guys, you each, there's something you want to buy. And Cody, you're going to have one set of criteria to buy this thing. Like you're going to have certain pains and frustrations that make you want whatever I'm selling. Barry, you're going to have totally different, potentially, pains and frustrations and needs and wants. And if I'm going to write a little piece that has 100 words on it, what are the odds that when you get in your mailbox that I'm going to connect with you, Cody, and that exact same copy is going to connect with you, Bear? The odds are pretty low. But if I write something that's longer, that has bullet points and subheads, it's more likely I'm going to somewhere in there hit your bullet points. I'm going to hit your bullet points, and you're, you both become interested when I send you the exact same piece. So what most people are doing is essentially half-assing it, sending this little some mediocre piece that's short and to the point and looks really pretty, but it doesn't actually connect with you personally. It doesn't make you have any emotional reaction. It doesn't grab you. It doesn't do anything because they simply didn't say enough. And the example that I got from somewhere that I've always loved is like, if you're a, if you are a sales guy and so you're on the team and like, you're going out to see a customer, would you put an artificial limit of, I can only say 200 words when I get to their <laughs> office to sell them and then I'm done. <laughs> I'm stopping That's short form copy. It's like, Oh, I don't want to say too much, but long form copy is you say whatever you need to say to answer their objections, their fears, their concerns, and grab them and capture their attention. And, and that was a huge change for me. Now in the internet world, We've seen a little bit of a shift back to shorter uh, copy, more design, things of that sort. But it's still a really valuable lesson. If you look at some of the most successful websites, they're not they're, 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 there's a move, and you'll see it with a lot of marketers that are really good at selling. They still use lots of copy, longer copy on their websites because they've got to hit whatever the, diff, the audience it's going to visit. They've got to hit whatever each individual person's needs, wants, fears, desires are, and they can't do it in 100 words. They've got to do it in maybe a few thousand yeah, words. Yeah, that starts getting into what people are searching because they're typing their fears, wants, and concerns into Google. And if your blog post or your webpage only touches on one person's set of fears, then you're only going to get the people that are searching right. that. Exactly. And so if you carry this concept forward, it should affect how you create video, in my opinion. You know, like there's a saying, like, you can't have a video that's more than two minutes long. Okay, I guess so. But, I, you know, maybe. But if you're really interested in the topic, you might stick around for eight minutes. If you're, if you're only interested in a minute of learning on how to market or price your services correctly, ah, you're probably never going to you know figure out how to market or price your services correctly if you're only willing to put a minute into this thing. So that means you're probably not really my buyer. 
And so, yes, you might not like my video. It's too long for you, but who cares? You weren't going to buy anything from me anyway. And that's the way I think about the long form versus short term, short form copy. The real buyers are going to consume whatever it is that you are talking about. They're going to read the whole thing. The uh, non-buyers are going to self-select out and they're not going to read it. So we need to create it for the people that really are our ideal audience, our ideal market. Yeah, I think Jim would really have a problem if I started hanging up on you know potential customers because I'd hit my limit on the amount of things I said. No kidding. <laughs> it's like, you know, I was like, <laughs> I talk too much to keep track of. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. Jim, I hit my uh, I hit my hundred character limit there on on talking to you about potentially I'm buying certain tweets products. now. Yeah, <laughs> so one hundred and forty yeah. characters. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, so just real quick to summarize the uh, the first thing that you would want to tell Jonathan from 15, 20 years ago was be very personal. Imagine who you're writing to, imagine their fears, wants, and needs, and write something very personal to them. Like that's the using words like you and their name, and it's very specific to that person. And then, be, and then from that, carry that through the whole organization, not just selling to customer service, to every other part of the business. And that kind of ties back to what you were saying about how you guys had run the cleaning company that was successful. Because it's personal, good point. Yeah. Personal, individual selling to each person. And approaching your marketing copy in that way, even though it's going to go out to hundreds or thousands of people, you're treating it like you're selling to one person. That I mean, you couldn't have said that. That's exactly perfect because we'd meet a, somebody that's a manager at a property and, you know, you develop a little relationship. And then one day you'd realize their kids playing baseball. And the next thing you know, we'd be sponsoring a little league baseball team. That's personal. You get invested in them. They get invested in you and then they talk about you and they spread the word. And the next thing you know, you're picking up more properties because they said, hey, you've got to be using this company. That's exactly it. And you just you can't do that with every individual person from a marketing when you're trying to get a build a big company with tons of clients and maybe the clients have a smaller dollar value per, per client. You can't send a sales guy to everybody's house mm -hmm. and you can't you can't do that. So you've got to figure out how to make your marketing become the sales guy that does as similar to what we just described as possible. All right, and then number two was don't be afraid of long form copy. Yeah, don't be. Say what you need to say. Yeah, don't be afraid to say as much as you need to say to hit on the points um, that are going to resonate with that person. When you're touching on their fears in their head, you know what's I like to think of what's the thing when they wake up in the morning that they're like, crap, another day. And, you know, another I got to do this today. It's like I got to deal with this today. I got this on my to do list, and then at night when they go to sleep, what are the things they're worrying about? What are the things they're still on their to do list, their checklist, their frustration list? If you can get in their brain and sort of touch on those pain points, they desperately want those things solved, and then you resonate. And the only way you can do that because you are going still, you're going to a bigger audience, is to cover lots of things. Mm -hmm. And so I would have told myself that, and I would have told myself just because the copy's longer doesn't mean they're not going to read because the way most people really read is a skim. So they're going to skim from headline to subhead to bullet point to subhead to bullet point. And when they find the thing that like connects with them at a subconscious level, they'll read. Then they read. They, and then when they're like kind of getting bored, they don't say I'm getting bored. Their subconscious just sort of says, let's move on faster. Then they start skimming again till they hit the next point. So remember that lesson. And that's, that's how you create copy. And that's how you talk to someone. There's there I'm still I'm still captivated by that because a lot of I think there there's a lot of old school technician out there a lot of people that don't realize that or they're afraid to to lose people with the long copy 
And so that's that's a really interesting thought because I think that a lot of people are kind of mesmerized with the lazy way out and, you know, making things pretty, like you said, and, you know, only splashing on a couple of bullet points where they're really just going to they're really going to miss on a majority of people because a majority of people aren't going to necessarily even if they tackle like the five best top five points. They're still going to miss out on a huge amount of business because there are people, a lot of people that aren't just in select few points and something. So I think the the key thing is not to be afraid of, you know, if you were sick and you had something wrong with you, you didn't know it was wrong or your kid had something wrong with them and, and you had pain around this thing, would you not read whatever you could get your hands on? And yeah, you might still skim because you're trying to get through it quick, but would you not read it? Or if it's cigars and I know you're, you're agreeing, but if it's cigars, like you're going to probably, you're probably going to read a whole lot on this stuff. You're probably going to watch videos. You're going to go deeper on this topic than something that's not as exciting to you. Bore that's you to tears, all... Jonathan. I'd bore you to tears. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like I couldn't give, I don't care about cigars. Like I, they're not my thing. They're not for me. But so yeah, I'm not that sales letter. I'm, yeah. I'm not the guy that's going to read that, but I'm not the guy that's going to buy from you on buy cigars. And so if we keep that in mind and we ask ourselves, because we can look at stuff and say, well, I wouldn't read that. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You would read whatever the thing you have pain around or you're interested in. Keep that in mind. If in, in normally, whether it's lawn care or house cleaning, you're right. They're not going to read it. But when it came up on the to-do list and you need to get it done, they're going to read when they have need in that area. But yes, normally they don't give a flip. Your client doesn't care about trees and bushes. They're not going to read that stuff normally. That's why you don't normally use that stuff to market to them. You don't like nobody really cares about how do I, you know, grow a more beautiful tree. They want you to do that for them. So you've got to actually get to them in different ways. But when you're selling to them lawn care or house cleaning, you're thinking about the things they do do matter to them. They care about will you show up on time? They care about do you have insurance? They care about the fact you're around their family. What kind of people are you sending into my home? They have all these other things they care about. They just want the job done right. Those are the things that there's a whole long list of those things. And those are the things you've got to weave into this copy. That's just sensational stuff. I mean, even as you were kind of describing it, I was kind of like, you know, it, it made per- every sen- every point that you made made perfect sense. And I have to admit, until a couple of minutes ago, I was probably in the camp of this the shorter the shorter text. Even though I, I talk people's ear off all the time. Yeah. So. And there's a place for that in certain situations. Like, oh, oh, I I know I'm dominating the conversation here, but I'll add one more you're, thing to you're it. Supposed to. Okay. That's the, yeah. <laughs> so if you think about how a selling process should really work, uh, it's not like. Okay, we'll go with the cigar thing, and I'm I'm an idiot on cigars. I know nothing about them. But if you're sending me something in the mail and you want me to buy some really expensive cigars, it's probably not ideal to, in that little postcard that I'm getting in the mail, try to make it do all the work, meaning sell me on why I should buy from you, buy from your company, buy this very expensive cigar. Like that, that is, you could argue that it's a lot to go for. Um, in that I get a piece in the mailbox and you expect me to drop, let's make up a number a thousand bucks. But what if you could just get a piece in the mailbox that all it did is make me take one baby step. And the baby step was just to give you an email address or come to a website to learn how to get a free something or learn something or find out about something that I could be, that I'm probably really interested in because you bought a list of people that have bought cigars in the last 60 days. So the point here, if that wasn't clear, is that when you think about it, there is a place for short copy in many cases where all you're trying to do is get them to take a next action. action. You're not trying to get them to make a buying decision 
based on this one thing they got in the mail. All you're trying to do is move them forward. It's like the, it's the marketing funnel concept. I just want to make you take one baby step forward. And then when you get to my website, then the website's sole purpose is to get you to just give me an email address. And then when I've got the email address, the only purpose of the email you get is to get you to take one more little baby action. So there's a place where a short copy can work great when you're just going for a micro decision or a micro action. But if you're going to go for a major action, like you want me to purchase purchase $1,000 of cigars today, you better give me something that just like tells me why it hits every trigger I have. It's all the emotional buttons. It makes me feel this massive sense of loss. If I don't give you my credit card today for a thousand bucks, I'm going to lose out on these incredible cigars. Like you got to go for a lot more in that scenario. And that's why you need to say a lot more. And so that's how you sort of weight long copy versus short copy. What's the ask? What's the what's your relationship to the audience? Do they like you? Do they trust you? Do they already believe in you? Or are you a totally new name to them? Yeah. So those are things you're thinking about. It's not like you always go long copy. It's not like you always go short copy. It depends on the situation, the market, the list, all these other factors. Whatever you're making needs to serve the the purpose. So like long copy for the sake of long copy isn't going to sell. It's going to make that. It's going to trigger that bigger decision, which is to to actually buy and actually give it. When you're triggering for smaller decisions, you could give for smaller marketing. Exactly. Uh, By the way, I'm just going to have to mention this. Uh, That was a strictly hypothetical. If anyone from the FDA is listening, I do not send out marketing pieces for cigars. (laughs) Yeah, I made all that that up. That is a total. That is a total hypothetical. Is that like something you're not even allowed to do? Yeah, man, it's not for this show, and it's a different cup. You know, longer cup, longer cup of tea, and a longer copy to get into it. But I just thought that'd be kind of a funny side to throw in but uh, we're gonna have jonathan on much more much more times but some uh to discuss much more meteor subjects and everything as far as marketing but let's get into another subject here so we've got our upcoming member conference s4 sa4 uh, excuse me, SA4 coming up in. You're going to edit that out anyway. SA4. I'm leaving it in. Now you're going to leave it in. I okay. Only, I only take out my flubs. So. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it. No wonder, the, no wonder I sound so terrible and you sound so pristine every time. Um, or is that just naturally because you're more intelligent than I, obviously? So I re record stuff. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I come in and re record all my lines Fan- to make me sound smarter. Fantastic. Well, sweet. So, <laughs> so SA4 is coming up here on November 9th through the 11th. Uh, and uh, we're really excited. This is actually the first year that we're going that we are welcoming non-members of Service Autopilot to come. And so we've already got a few non-members attending. Uh, but what are um, let's talk about the theme? Yep. You know, SA four next. Yep. So what what's kind of the hit hit us with it? What what's what is next? Yeah. So the idea behind next is it touches on several things. First and foremost, I'm going to open up the weekend talking about what's next in our industries, what's next in the market, from everything from the competition, who's coming, who wants what you've got, who's coming for you, uh, what are people working on that could be a competitive threat to you in the future, to what's coming next in technology, what are these massive shifts and changes that are coming that if you're not aware of them or thinking about them, you could be somewhat blindsided, and if you're a big sort of established player in a market and you're ignoring these things, then you have cracks in your business where the little guys can come in and take a piece of your business and take market share. Exactly what City Turf did in our market. We were nobody and there were tons of bigger competitors and now it's all flipped. So I'm hyper aware of the same thing could happen to me. And so I want to be very aware of that. And it's also a very encouraging message because if you're a little guy getting in the market and you're saying, hey, how am I going to break into the market? How am I ever going to become one of whomever you're looking at that's much bigger than you? 
the things that are coming in the future from a technology standpoint are your opportunities. There are those things that are like massive leverage that'll catapult you to where you want to go much faster. Um, and, and I'll explain all that and I'll explain what that means. So that's one concept is what's next for your industry, for your market, from the competition, from a technology standpoint. And then another way of thinking about it is, uh, and I guess I'm thinking a little bit around my talks, but what's next for your business? So Jason Cup and I are talking about the challenge that we all face where we grow our business to a certain level and we sort of hit a plateau and then we can't figure out why is it not getting better? Why am I not growing past this? Why do I feel stuck? Why do I not feel like I have any money? Why does everything just feel so hard? It's because you're at a plateau right now. How do you get past that plateau? And there's all these plateaus as you grow your company. And some plateaus literally stop 90% of the industry and they never get past certain numbers. So we're going to talk about what the plateaus are and how you get past them. So how do you get to the next level of your business? Uh, we, of course, are going to touch on some service autopilot stuff. What's next in service autopilot, things of that sort. However, if you're not a service autopilot member or you don't care about that stuff, we have the two tracks. So you could literally go to nothing but business, marketing, finance, how to grow this thing, how to find employees, those types of sessions and ignore all the service autopilot related stuff. So, you, But you can pick and choose. You could bring team members and send them down one track, one group of lessons, and you can go down a different one. Uh, I'm really excited about a couple of speakers. Greg Crabtree speaking. He's going to be talking for three hours. He's talking about these concepts around all at once. Yeah, we're going to take a little mini break, but yeah, three hours. Jason, Cup, yeah, Jason Cup's doing like two and a half hours where you basically show up. And by the time you leave, you essentially have an employee handbook done for you, ready to go at your company. You'll That's need awesome. a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really awesome. That's something people spend a lot of money to get and yeah. spend a lot of time and usually just talk about it and never create it. And he's going to basically hand you one in a sense. You'll have to do a few tweaks once you're gone based on your state. But so Jason's doing a long session. Greg Crabtree, who's awesome. I, I love the way he thinks from a financial standpoint. Um, he'll give you a vision of what a fully capitalized business looks like, and you'll learn what that means at the conference. And what a fully capitalized business looks like is a really exciting future where you really start to make money in the company. But on top of that, you've got money to really grow something big and exciting and build a leadership team. Uh, Ree Perez is talking about branding. I'll cut it off after this, but Ree's awesome. I, I'm not normally a branding guy. Like I tend to think Coca-Cola builds a brand. Unfortunately, none of us have the kind of money it takes to be a Nike or Coca-Cola. So we all have to figure out how to you know, fight it out in the streets every day. And so I, for that reason, I don't normally believe in traditional branding where you have billboards and you just do brand marketing, which is like awareness marketing. I, I, but Ree Perez has an interesting uh, spin on branding that I believe in that we can all apply to our businesses. At, and, we're, and I describe us all as running smaller businesses as, to the, as compared to the big guys that do branding. And he's going to lay out a strategy for us on how to build brands inside our businesses. And I'll tell you from CityTurf, I, it's a buy, we, I do believe in our little service market, we have somewhat created a brand. Um, I didn't necessarily believe in it. Now I'm experiencing it. And the byproduct is we've just keep showing up. We've been in the market. We've done marketing. I have 70 yellow trucks or whatever. And we have some number of a lot of yellow trucks and they're seen all the time by our potential clients because we're in a service market. It makes all our marketing cheaper. It makes everything easier. It makes everything work better. It just, and so once you get to that place, I'm starting to realize it now, like having this brand and it does take years to build. It's like magic. It saves you so much money. So I could keep going. There's probably what, 40 other talks, but oh, so yeah, those are some absolutely. big ones. Let's, that, real that's, quick, let's. So I am a smallish business, uh, and I am just like sort of kind of out of the field, but sometimes when people call in sick, I'm back on the truck. Yep. Uh, 
what do you say to me to convince me to come to the conference? Should I come to the conference at all? Yeah, you should come to the conference and all. It's probably not the answer you expect for one simple reason. The vast majority of guys that get off the truck slip back on the truck. And so it's like the next spring rush. It's like, oh, money's a little tight. I'm going to have to jump back out in the field. Or they hit this little road bump, a speed bump, whatever, and they, they're back on the truck. A tremendous number of guys hit that plateau and they get stuck. So I would say you need to be at the conference. One, you're going to learn tons of stuff and it's going to encourage you. And that's probably the word I want to use. You need to be there to be encouraged. The value of the networking and the meeting people. So that first night we have the cocktail and hors d'oeuvres hour. It's sponsored by Blue Pay. The next night there's dinners happening all over Dallas. Like tons and tons of people out having dinners in groups. Then we have the after party on that final night. That's the magic. Like, yes, you're going to learn tons of stuff. No question about it. You're going to take home strategies that you implement that will way more than pay for the whole conference and travel and everything. But then you're also going to go home if you put yourself out there just a little bit with a few new friends and some cell phone numbers. And the next time you're struggling, you're like, man, I need to just work on the truck for a week. You text one of those people that's already got out of the field and they that's stayed like, out of the field. It's there. like the AA or whatever you want to call it for <laughs> lawn care and cleaning companies, because that's the last thing you want to do is accidentally slip back into that track or trap. That's how you look up 10 years from now. And you're like, I'm, I'm still, still out here. in the field. And I see it day in and day out. And so if I could put it to a word, it'd be encouragement. Come get encouraged. Find some accountability. Two words, encouragement and accountability. Find some accountability. Find a friend so that you don't fall into that trap that everybody else does because it'll change the entire course of your life if you slip back into that trap. So some really valuable speakers. We've got Jason Cup, uh, Greg Crabtree, best-selling author and small business expert, Ree Perez, uh, a branding uh, guru, if you will, and uh, and some other speakers as well. And a, a lot of other a lot of our uh, members are actually stepping into the speaker role yeah, this year. Yeah, we have several. So. Yeah, we've got a number of guys um, Ryan Chipman has been a longtime friend of Service Autopilot. He's and, coming up on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Ryan's an awesome guy. I've known him for years. I've been out to their company. Uh, they're first class guys that run a first class operation. And he's going to be talking twice. Um, and one of the things he's going to be talking about is reporting and understanding your. He's going to be actually doing a dual talk with John Caldwell, our, our CTO. Uh, he's going to, they're going to be talking about how to understand the numbers of your business and make business decisions based on what's going on in the company. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't give that explanation justice, but I'm super excited about that because Ryan's a guy that if you knew what they were doing inside their business, you'd be highly impressed and you would absolutely be listening to the advice he gives about setting goals, uh, measuring through metrics, building accountability in an organization and moving an organization forward quickly. So he's just one example. Mike Callahan's going to be speaking. We're going to have Callahan a whole number. From episode three. Yeah, we got a whole number. Uh, has Martha been on yet? Martha has not been not on, yet. but okay, we're hoping yeah. to record with her at the conference. Yeah, Mar Martha at Quality Driven. So we got some great people. Jason Cup, who's been there a couple of years, he's speaking several times. Uh, Andrew, my brother, is going to be speaking on Mark. We, got, we just got a great lineup. There's a lot of people, a lot of meat. It's everybody who's anybody in the service industry going to be there. You should be at there. SA4 too. next. And if you want to any check out any more details about the conference, you can go to serviceautopilot.com/conference. All of our speakers are listed on there as well as a, you know, uh, tentative schedule, but the wiki pretty tight too. And uh, all the other details including how to get tickets are going to be on there at serviceautopilot.com/conference. Uh, we're really excited about it coming up and um, as far as uh, everything else that we've discussed today, you can check out um, all of Jonathan's uh, 
businesses and interests at longcaremillionaire.com where he's got over 300 plus videos on how to greatly improve your company. Probably more like 600. 600 at this time? Man, that's, a, that's an old number. I apologize. 600 videos. Uh, serviceautopilot.com, of course. That'll keep you busy for a minute. <laughs> Everything that they've got going. And something that I wanted to close with, and I was, and it was really it really caught my eye was the fact that you've got over 7,000 full-service residential and commercial clients. Actually, 8,500. 8,500 now. <laughs> I'm just going to keep being wrong throughout this. That's, that's as of this morning. That's as of this morning. So Actually, I don't know what it's it is. Closer to 80, I, was, I looked a couple nope, months ago. Nope, another hour took by. It's 86. <laughs> um, but something I wanted to – it really caught my eye and it was really, perf- was really perfect about what we were talking about to creating that personal experience with your clients. Yeah. There was a quote, a referral on City Turf. It has been a great working with these guys. Everyone I have talked to is knowledgeable, and our yard is looking better and better each time. Tried them after a bad experience with a larger, more well-known company, and have had great results. Now, it's very quite possible that that larger company that they had a poor experience with was larger than 85, 8,600 clients. Uh, I'm pretty sure their name starts with a T. I don't know who else they would have been talking about. (laughs) But... It's quite possible that it could have been someone smaller. But either way, the point is that you can have 7,500, 8,500, 8,600 clients and still give that wonderful over-the-top experience to where it is personal and they think of you as small and they think of you as that because you are. For sure. In fact, I would encourage you to, as early in your business, act this way because one day you are going to be big. And if you have not been acting like a smaller company being personal, you're never going to pull it off when you're big. No, it's like if you got a letter from Geico Insurance, do you really believe the president of Geico Insurance wrote you that letter? Do you, you know, did or was it the marketing team? It's kind of what you said earlier about um, what was it? What was the letter addressed to? Valued customer, dear valued customer. Yeah, dear valued customer. You don't really believe that that thing was written to you by the president of the organization. So my point is, as your thing gets bigger, they're not going to buy that unless the whole time you've been building this company and getting larger and larger, that's how you've acted. And that's how everybody in your team acts. They act like it's personal and they make you feel personal. It's hard to become that later when you're really big. So you better start doing it from day one. And it's one of the secret sauce things that gets you to be the bigger company. Yeah, fantastic. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us guys. today. Again, we're going to uh, check out lawncaremillionaire.com, serviceautopilot.com, serviceautopilot.com slash conference for more information <laughs> on the conference. Or you can just reach him by telepathy at this point, I'm sure, with all the points of contact. But again, Jonathan Potoshnik, uh, co-founder and many other things of Service Autopilot. Thank you so much for joining Cody, and o- Cody, Owen, and I. And as always, this is Barry Duplissy with The Profit Roadmap. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys. Cody here. Uh, just wanted to chime in at the end of this episode here after we've had Jonathan talk about the conference. And I want to talk directly to uh, the, the people who are coming out to the conference this year. Or maybe you're still on the fence. You're, you're really thinking about whether or not to come, whether or not to spend the money. Uh, I want to uh, direct either people who are coming, people thinking about coming, to uh, the app store on your mobile device. Uh, we have an app for the conference this year. That's going to be really helpful uh, if you're thinking about going. Uh, just gives you one one place to look over everything, uh, really review your options, see what track you'd want to be on if you were there. Uh, and then also, if you're already going, the app is going to be a great place. So if you search in the Apple App Store or in Google Play for Service Autopilot, you'll see the normal 
uh, service autopilot app that if you're using our mobile app that uh, you know you use out in the field or your crews use out in the field, then below that you'll see an SA4 Next app for the conference. Now, if you download this app and you sign up, there's a little bit of a social media aspect where you're able to talk to other people who are on the app, talk to uh, other people who are going to be at the conference. Uh, and then also, you've got uh, the full schedule for the conference that shows you every, uh, every possible thing that you could, you could go to. Uh, and in that, you're able to star the things that you want to make sure that you attend. So you'll be able to, uh, to look at those things. Uh, you've got a page that has all of the speakers, shows you everybody's going to be speaking at the conference. You can see a picture, see what they look like, so that if you see them on the floor, you could say hi. Uh, but also, you're able to read uh, just a quick bio. Uh, so like I'm in here and I'm like, oh, hey, there's Jason Cup. Uh, so I can see the things that he's going to be speaking at there. Uh, just a brief little bio about him. Uh, there's some stuff where you can rate the speakers in the app uh, if you feel like doing that. Uh, and there's also a floor plan of the uh, of the hotel that we've put in here. So that's going to be cool uh, to, to be able to see like where everything is just real quick, all in one place. So we've got the map of the hotel. We've got all the speakers, all the events, the schedule for the events. Uh, it's going to be really a uh, good thing for you guys to have as a resource uh, coming to the conference. But also if you're thinking about coming, you want to kind of look everything over. It's kind of all in one one place there. Uh, and if you're on the app, look me up. I'm in there, Cody Owen. Uh, add me as, as a friend or whatever it is that uh, you can do in here. Yeah, you can uh, give me a little star uh, if you'd be so kind. So yeah, log in there, take a look. Uh, you can make some notes. Uh, it should be really helpful for people who are going to the conference. All right, well, thanks for tuning in once again to the Profit Roadmap. On behalf of Bear and Jonathan on this episode, we want to thank you for... Uh, listening to us. And uh, if you have a minute to leave a rating in iTunes uh, or Google Play or wherever you're listening to the podcast, uh, give us a minute to let us know how we're doing. It lets us know what people like, what people want to hear more of. So if you'll give us a rating and a review there, we'd appreciate your five stars if you've got five stars to give. All right. Hey, we'll see you guys next week. The music in this episode of The Profit Roadmap was Riptide and Summon the Rock by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff. Incompetech.com.